Okay, before we get started with today's episode, have you heard the awesome news? Llama Life now has an iOS app so you can take it with you wherever you go. I have been using Llama Life consistently on my computer for a year now. A year! That's unprecedented. That's like a lifetime in ADHD terms. And now with the new iOS app, I'm able to seamlessly transition between my computer and my iPhone so that my favorite little productivity coach is with me whenever I need it. So what is so special about Llama Life? Well, for starters, it's not a fancy new calendar or planner or complicated productivity management system. It's a time-boxing, single-tasking program that easily integrates with your already existing organizational systems. If you're like me and you struggle with time blindness or maintaining focus throughout your day, then this is the app for you. I love Llama Life because it's simple, effective, and beautifully designed. And dare I say, it makes even the most mundane chore more fun and colorful. If you want to check out the iOS app for yourself, head to the App Store for a free trial and start enjoying that Llama Life for yourself. And she said, listen, right after your session, your brain is very plastic. So taking some time right after your session to do something that makes your brain happy is very important. She goes, draw, listen to music, pet your dog, go for a walk. So I started scheduling time after my TMS session to go do those things. I started drawing again for the first time in many years. I started doing a lot of like nature walks. And I feel like even if I weren't doing magnets on my brain, that practice was really cool in terms of taking time every day to do something that my brain likes. Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45, and it completely turned my world upside down. I've been looking back at so much of my life, school, jobs, my relationships, all of it with this new lens, and it has been nothing short of overwhelming. I quickly discovered I was not the only woman to have this experience, and now I interview other women who, like me, discovered in adulthood they have ADHD and are finally feeling like they understand who they are and how to best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. Okay, before we get started, I'd love to share with you this review from a listener named Jenny Gillis on the Apple Podcast platform in Canada. It's entitled Learning So Much. Thank you for this podcast. I've been working tirelessly for five years to figure out what is quote unquote wrong with me. Everyone says nothing's wrong with you, but they don't understand. Through therapy, I learned about empaths, love addiction, codependency, emotional immaturity, and so on, but nothing quite fit perfectly. Then a friend posted about ADHD, and out of curiosity, I took an online test and aced it. Then I found your podcast. I always listen while I clean, and I stop and jot things down because I'm like, yes, that's me, yes to it all. I'm so thankful to finally see that I'm not the only one with all of these odd quirks. It's truly unbelievable to finally hear that all these things I do are common ADHD issues. It's a relief, and now, thanks to you, Katie, I can look back and forward and understand things so much clearer. If you think you have ADHD, give this a listen. Ah, yay, thank you, Jenny. First of all, I'm so glad you found this podcast and it's helped you gain some clarity and insight on this wild and wonderful journey of self-discovery. 
And second, thank you for taking the time to put your thoughts into words. I love hearing these wonderful reactions to the podcast, and I love getting positive feedback. It really helps me keep going. So if you've been meaning to leave a review and you just haven't gotten around to it yet, consider this your gentle reminder to head to Apple Podcasts or Audible and leave a review. And you can now leave feedback on individual episodes on Spotify. And if that all feels like too much right now, and believe me, I totally get it, you could also just quickly hit those five stars. In fact, why don't you just pause right now and do it? I promise we'll wait for you. Okay, here we are at episode 147, in which I interview Morgan Meredith. Morgan is a gifted kid turned ADHD entrepreneur, as well as the founder of Accountable Hero, a service that helps coaches streamline their entire business into one platform and turn software frustration into confidence and ease. We talk all about how AI tools can be super helpful for neurodivergent brains, especially ChatGPT and Goblin tools. We also discuss Morgan's experience with transcranial magnetic stimulation for her depression. Morgan also happens to be the wizard behind my Hey, It's ADHD online course. If it wasn't for her, I really don't think it would exist. And I can't thank her enough. So if you have an online course in you that you would love to create, but you just can't seem to get out of your own way, I highly recommend you think about working with Morgan. She's fantastic. And she's offering listeners of this podcast $50 off her Build That Course program over at accountablehero.com slash ADHD. And of course, that link is in the show notes. And she's also a graduate of my group coaching program. So we talk all about her experience in the program and how her life has transformed as a result. If you'd like to learn more and reserve your spot in my next group coaching program, head to womeninadhd.com slash group coaching for more details. Okay, here is my interview with Morgan. Hi, Morgan. Hi, Katie. <laughs> how are we going to keep this to an hour? Uh, <laughs> ooh, I know, right? Deep breaths. Um, I can't decide if I want to start by talking about all the different ways we know each other, but or if I should just start traditionally with your diagnosis story. So I think we'll actually start with how and when you were diagnosed. How long ago were you diagnosed with ADHD? What was kind of the process leading up to that? What were some of those things where you were like, oh, I should really look into this? Yeah, I was diagnosed in October of 2020. So like you, I'm a pandemic diagnosis. Exact same, October 2020. Yeah, I actually went back and checked my medical records because I, I knew you would ask that. <laughs> so um, I have kind of a unique diagnosis story. I was switching psychiatrists, which I was seeing a psychiatrist. I've been seeing one for many years for my depression and anxiety, which I'd like to come back to because I have I got a treatment this year that's potentially permanent and I really want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, mind blowing. Yes, I know. So I switched psychiatrists and in the intake call, all on Zoom, of course, or whatever internal, you know, insurance company thing that they do. She went through my family history, you know, what, do you, what kind of mental illness or whatever is going on with your family. And I just casually mentioned, you know, both my brothers have ADHD. I don't know if they still consider themselves as having ADHD, but they were diagnosed. And she said, oh, that's interesting. Did you know that's genetic? And I said, no, I didn't know that. She goes, do you have ADHD? And I said, I don't know. Absolutely not. No, I don't think so. Um, and she said, well, if we have some time at the end, do you want to do the test? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, it was so casual, Katie. It's so different from, oh, my gosh, I desperately, you know, need this. And I, I also wasn't seeking a diagnosis for a long time. Like, I know I'm very fortunate compared to people all around the world who are spending this long time seeking it. So we did the test and a good portion of the questions, you know, of course, <laughs> I think 
the test is really funny because it's some of the questions. One of the questions is answer this as, do you do this more than most people you know? And of course we start overanalyzing because that's part of it. Like, well, let me think about most of the people I know. And some of them do this and some of them don't do this. And like, how many is most? Is it like 51% or is it like 80%? And like doing that the whole time. And so a lot of them were like, no, not more than most people I know. And then I got to one section and it was like, yes, 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 yes. And so she said, and I'm laughing at this point with her. And she says, so... Uh, you know, yes, you have ADHD. Um, and that moment I, and I have reached out to her several times because I no longer work with that psychiatrist because another insurance change. Um, but I've just reached out to her to thank her so many times because like you, Katie, it changed everything for me, everything in my life. And I think psychiatrists don't get thanked enough for the difference they make. And, and I just, you know, anyone who's working with someone, make sure you take some time and let them know. And, you know, you asked, looking back, what did I notice? So like you, everything, everything going all the way back to early childhood. I remember my parents would, they taught me this cute little phrase that I would say to people. And it's, I'm hypoactive because I couldn't say my R's yet. Like that's how young I was that I would tell people I'm hypoactive and (laughs) not hypo, but hyper. (laughs) It's my little voice. Um, And just thinking back through school, um, I was an excellent student. I did not struggle in school. In fact, I learned stuff so fast that then I'd spend the rest of the time talking to everybody else, distracting them. (laughs) So looking back at all the assignments I forgot at home, big projects that I just left, losing my backpack, losing all my, my stuff was all just crumpled up in there and all of that. And then thinking about the impulsive decisions I've made throughout my life, including like a marriage and just like crazy stuff and that I would do something and immediately know it was a terrible idea And then I'd get sort of caught and I would be like, that was a terrible idea. And my parents or whoever would be like, what were you thinking? Like, just tell us what you were thinking. And I wasn't thinking. And so I would make up a lie that sounded plausible. Maybe this would make sense. And it was clearly a lie because the lie was also bad. And then I was caught in a lie. So then they assumed I was doing something nefarious and like that I'm lying for to cover something else up. So I was in trouble a lot just for my spontaneous impulsive decisions that were terrible. <laughs> Those were legitimately bad decisions most of the time. Um, oh my goodness. I feel like you're describing my teenage years perfectly. Uh, yeah, I interview so many women who were like, no, I was great. And you know, the, talking about the high masking and I was like, no, I was definitely that kind of ADHD where I've made a lot of impulsive decisions where I look now back as an adult thinking like, I cannot believe I'm alive sometimes. <laughs> like, There's so many situations I got into where I was like, I can't believe I got out of that alive. But now I'm curious with your brother, like were your brothers diagnosed in childhood? Yes. And so you, so here you are, both of your brothers are diagnosed, but you're also talking about being hyperactive. Like, I'm sort of like, how, how is that disconnect? Like, was it just, do you think it it was this generational thing where it was like, it just doesn't exist in girls? Or have you talked to your parents about this at all? Or like, I have, and it's been so wonderful, Katie. You know, my mom went through some of the questions from your test and she was like, oh, because again, it's genetic. And so she said, 
I'm so sorry. Your brothers, were, it was just so clear with them. They were just so different from you. And so um, I think because they were focused on the symptoms of how it looked for my brothers, which were more physical, I think. Um, I don't really remember, honestly, but my mom, of course, as an adult at the time, uh, can see it from that clear perspective and says, like, I just didn't, it never occurred to me. And there was some some very beautiful healing that happened when my mom said, I'm so sorry. Things, I, I realized things could have gone very differently for you had we known. And I didn't need, I didn't think I needed that. And um, just hearing that some, something really opened up inside of me. And it was such a sweet conversation. And, um, and it's funny now, and we can make jokes about the stuff I did. <laughs> That's just like, oh, yeah, that too. And being able to see things as a symptom, instead of a moral failing has been huge for me. That's been one of my best results after this diagnosis. Oh, I love that. Because, you know, we do we talk about the complicated grief of, you know, this idea that, that this life I could have led, right? Had we known, had things been different, and had had I understood what was happening. And so, like, my mom, by the time I was diagnosed, my mom had already passed away. And she's the, like, I've said this before on the podcast, like, she's one of, she's the one person I most wanted to talk about with this, because I think, not because I wanted to say, how could you not, how could you not know? But all, she, I think she was genuinely confused as well, right? Like, I feel like she also was very much like, what's going on? Like, why is this happening? Why, you know, I had these two brothers who did so well. And she was just sort of like, I felt like she was very much along for the ride with me in terms of like, why are you so frustrated all the time? And why does this not working for you? And why, you know, do you keep dropping out of school? <laughs> like, I made her cry so many times, not because I was disappointing her. But I think she felt like I was disappointed in myself constantly. There is a really healing conversation for parents who might also just be like, God, I didn't know what I didn't know, right? It also explains a lot of, you know, for me, one of my major symptoms is emotional dysregulation. It explains the screaming fits and the slamming the doors and the saying things that I definitely regretted immediately, but had to stick by because I was stubborn. You know, just like uh, something I've been working on lately is taking a look at my emotional reactions to things and asking two questions. One, is this the right emotion for this situation? And two, is the degree to which I'm experiencing this emotion appropriate for the situation? Um, and and kind of just like taking a, a longer look. And I was difficult to deal with. And then like hormones were happening and all this stuff was going on. And um, at 12, which is kind of when the hormones thing happened, that's when I was diagnosed with depression. And they try. I felt like they tried to force me to take this medication and they, they were trying to dim who I was is how I took that. And now looking back, of course, there's more conversation around my, and my mom told me, she's like, you were miserable. I was so sad to see you so miserable. And that shifted something for me too, of like, oh, <laughs> of course she's my mom. Right. But I just, I lived in this weird world where the actual world wasn't true. And that is one of the reasons I feel like my depression diagnosis is accurate. It wasn't a stepping stone on the way to ADHD. Like it can be for some people. For me, it's legitimate. There were so many times when I wished I was dead. And 
I wished I hadn't woken up and I was miserable and it, it's real. And so since I've sort of circled back to the depression thing, I do want to talk about this year, earlier this year, I received TMS treatment, which is transcranial magnetic stimulation. Just put a magnet on your head and fix your stuff. And it's, you know, without getting too far into the shit show that is the United States medical system. Um, <laughs> TM. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've been through this with, with many guests, Katie, I know. But I wish that this was the first option we tried with people who have mental health concerns, because right now it's the, one of the last options. It's after you've failed, quote unquote, with, I think, over five medications. And luckily I had like 40, so I'm fine because <laughs> um, we're basically still throwing spaghetti at the wall when it comes to picking antidepressants and anti-anxiety and ADHD meds. We're, just, we're throwing stuff at people and just seeing what works. Not a super great system. <laughs> And actually, when we, when my brother, one of my brothers uh, was taking, I think it was Ritalin, he developed such extreme social anxiety that it affected everything for the rest of his life kind of thing. And so, you know, there's dangers with all the meds. There are no side effects from the magnets, except for like, kind of a headache for like 20 minutes, maybe. And so TMS, it really is just magnets on your head. And it has recently been FDA approved in the US, of course, for ADHD treatment as well. I can only speak really a lot about the depression side because that's what I had treated. It is potentially permanent and I am feeling really good. It's really nice to be able to separate out the depressed, depressive symptoms from ADHD. And I don't think my anxiety diagnosis is correct. I think the anxiety is a byproduct of the ADHD because my brain's just going, going, going. But the depression I feel like is. So unfortunately, in order to qualify for it, you have to have failed all these medications and you have to um, like take a drug test and all these weird things that have to be like prerequisites for just getting magnets on your head. And it's very expensive unless you have super good insurance. And I think that over time, the expense will go down. So I predict like any sort of new technology, but it made a huge difference for me, Katie. That is so good to know. Thank you for sharing that. And I'll, I'll uh, hopefully put a link to something about it. I know I talked about it very briefly with Dr. Uh, Sasha Hamdani. She's a psychiatrist who, who does that. And I don't really understand how it works. Do you do you have a basic understanding of how it works? So they they put it in different places on your head depending on what's being treated. So it's on the left side for depression. It's typically on the right side for anxiety. It's towards the back top of your head if for OCD, it's also been approved for OCD. And for ADHD, it's put on the prefrontal cortex, which is where our stuff is a little bit different. So from what I understand, it can sort of reset some of the pathways. And so um, I actually met this woman in a yoga retreat who I ended up chatting with her and we were trying to find a, a time to hang out. And I said, hey, I'm going through this kind of like medical treatment right now. It's every single day. Oh, by the way, Katie, it's every single day, every weekday for like 40 times. Oh, wow. It's a pretty serious commitment. And so I arranged my entire life around this. I really committed to this because um, it's important to me. I'm tired of that. Um, and if, like just the fact that there was a potential treatment that was 
even if it lasts one year, you know, like even if it lasts just a couple of years, even if it's not totally, uh, you know, permanent. Um, and, and the doctor did tell me it, I started feeling better almost immediately, which is rare. And he said, the fact that you know this works, that means a touch-up will work if you need a touch-up. It's almost almost guaranteed that if you ever need a couple more sessions or whatever, you can come back and it will sort of recharge it. So I met this woman. We were trying to find a time to hang out. I said, I'm going through this medical treatment. And she said, are you going through TMS by chance? And I was like, oh, are my anxiety and depression just hanging out for everyone to see or what? <laughs> she said, no, I just really feel like I see you. And she told me that she had had it done in Thailand, I believe. And she said, listen, right after your session, your brain is very plastic. I don't know if that's like a real thing or not, but she said your brain is very plastic. So taking some time right after your session to do something that makes your brain happy is very important. She goes, draw listen to music, pet your dog, go for a walk. So I started scheduling time after my TMS session to go do those things. I started drawing again for the first time in many years. I started doing a lot of like nature walks and there were like wild turkeys outside the uh, TMS place. And they were like full Thanksgiving sometimes with the tail up and the thing. Um, <laughs> so I was like taking pictures of turkeys and listening to blues music and drawing in my car. And I feel like even if I weren't doing magnets on my brain, that practice was really cool in terms of taking time every day to do something that my brain likes and just looking at my life that way. Like, what is my brain like and how can I put that in my day today? So that's something that I've sort of revived since then. As soon as I was done, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy to be done with this. And I stopped doing it. And now I'm sort of restarting that brain activity every day. That's amazing. You know, it reminds me of those opportunities to be in the present tense and how I feel like that is so important for, I don't know if it's important for neurodivergent brains or just everybody in general, but I remember always thinking about meditation because we always talk about how important meditation is and everybody struggles with it and everybody, you know, it's, it's controversial, I guess. Um, but, you know, really what it comes down to is this idea of staying in the present tense and and all, you know, depression, anxiety, fear, worry, those are all past tense and future tense states of being, right? We're worried about what's happening. We're ruminating of, uh, about what happened. And so something about being in the present tense, it's like building this muscle where we can just explore that f sort of mental freedom, right? The lightness that comes with just being outside and looking around. And I think that's really, really difficult for us to do naturally. Like we are so stuck in our brains all the time. Uh, anytime we can have an opportunity to stop and kind of be in the, in the moment, I think it is helpful. That is so cool. That's so, so wait, so you did it for 40 days and, and then they just send you out and they're like, come back if you need a tune up, but otherwise that's it. They taper you. So you go from doing it every day to like, three times a week to two times a week and that kind of thing. So yeah, they, they follow up, you know, they send sort of a survey, the probably, I don't fill it out anymore, but I'm sure it's like the PHQ nine and the, you know, the GAD seven, which are the, the typical depression and anxiety scales of like, which like all of us know how to beat those. I wish they would just like, and I'm not trying to beat it. Right. But like, <laughs> I just wish they would have better scales that are a little bit less transparent. 
But yeah, when it comes to meditation, one of the most helpful tips that I got, because I had this whole thing of like, oh, you need to find this way for your brain to be quiet. And for those of us with ADHD, that's probably not a thing very often. Um, and that like, there's, there's like this goal of meditation. And I, I took this workshop with this woman who basically says meditation is a practice like going to the gym. You don't like it when you go there and you might hate it the whole time, but you do it for the results. If you work out, you may be working out for a physical goal, but often you're working out for how you feel, you know, how it affects your mental health, the the physical symptoms of sweating and all of that stuff. Same thing with meditation that like, it's okay if it's miserable the whole time. Like every time I go to work out, it's miserable the whole time. I can't wait till I'm done. <laughs> and the same thing can, you can do that with meditation. It's your gym for your brain. Yes, which I think is something that is incredibly difficult when you have ADHD, which is like that falls very squarely in the I know it's good for me category. And and there's very little to hold on to when it comes to sustaining interest, right? And so that's where I think so many things fall into that category for us, where we really struggle doing it by ourselves. And that's where it's like, notice and recognize really, really quickly if this is something that you're not able to do on your own and then figure out a way to incorporate accountability or, you know, gamify it or all the ways that we sort of need to, you know, streaks. I love a good, you know, 30 day streak, (laughs) Uh, ways that we really like ways that we need to make it interesting for us. I think exercise is another one, right? That it's like, it falls very squarely in the, I know I should do this. I know it's good for me, um, but how do I actually get myself to do it? Anyway, so I first met Morgan when I had had uh, signed up for coaching software. This coaching software was so confusing uh, and there was so much to do. And I had, so you, I had hired you with, so from the coaching software, Coach Accountable, you were working basically at helping people like me who were just overwhelmed by the platform to kind of sort it out. And so you've created this business of helping coaches to work with this specific software accountable, uh, Coach Accountable. And so your business is called Accountable Hero, correct? Correct. And then, so we started working together and you were like, oh, I also have ADHD. And I was like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I mean, mostly because you were this brilliant entrepreneur who was, you know, sparkling personality. It wasn't like, you know, you're a hot mess or anything, although are we all, but you know, it was like, I can tell pretty quickly when somebody I'm working with where I'm like, yeah, that's your own journey. So you were like, I also have ADHD. So we started talking more and more about it. And I don't even remember how we got to the point where we were, I think maybe we were talking about doing a, I was talking about how I really, really wanted to do a course. Did you bring it up? I don't even remember. Do you even remember how we started talking about the Hey, It's ADHD course? Uh, But I think you were talking about the fact that you help coaches make courses and that this is something you really like to do. And I was like, I would like to do that. And then one thing led to another. And so Morgan is the the mastermind behind the Hey, It's ADHD course um, in terms of bringing it together and taking all of my scattered random thoughts and organizing them into a way that somebody could actually work through. So that's incredible. I don't, I mean, I just, I guess I want to ask you sort of how's your business going and do you want to talk a little bit about what you do? Yeah, I love it. And you know what, Katie, what I think happened is when I finish up 
the first product, which is the setting up the entire, all the pieces of your business that are boring and, you know, but are necessary, like scheduling and invoicing and, uh, you know, coaching packages and reminders and all that stuff. Once all that's done, I typically say, hey, this in our last meeting, hey, this was great. Here are some other things I do if you ever want to come back. And I think you were like, oh, wait, what? Courses? Okay, cool. And you chose what is kind of my favorite package, but is the most like mentally intense for me because it is, hey, here's a bunch of cool ideas I have and some thoughts and things. And you like in your case, like some like notes that I've made of like symptoms that kind of fit together somehow. And I would love to show this to people. And so we do this deep dive together, which is so fun for me. And I, I think my business is specifically set up really well for my ADHD brain because I do, I guarantee the whole thing done in 30 days. So it's like a very short, very intense, hyper-focus, boom, 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 boom. And it involves a lot of collaboration. And I love being able to provide that feeling of, I got you, you know, like, yeah, throw everything at me. If you wrote it on a napkin, take a picture with your phone and send it to me. Like, I don't care how you get me the information. I want to pull it out of your brain and organize it. And for whatever reason, my brain is very good at seeing patterns. So I can take these random thoughts and these random things and be like, oh, what you're saying is this. And you're like, oh my gosh, yes, that's what I am saying. And like, it's so fun to get to collaborate like that because I am not the mastermind behind it. You're the mastermind behind it. I just put it all in like a delivery format, right? Like you're the mail writer and I'm the postal carrier, right? <laughs> like that's what happens. Well, I think the reason why I feel like you're the mastermind is because I really just felt like it never would have happened, right? Like I feel like so often with, with at least with my brain, but I think with a lot of us with ADHD is that you have the ideas, it, but it's just all chaotic flying around and I don't know what to do with it. And so I was so appreciative that you came in like you did and was like, throw everything at me and then we'll sort through it. And I kind of love that. It's almost like it takes two ADHD brains to have that interaction because on the one hand, like, you know, they joke, like, I can't clean my own garage, but if you want me to clean your garage, <laughs> right? Because it brings in that novelty factor of like, oh, I get to sort through all of this stuff and create something magical out of it. Well, and I get to learn too. So as I'm building all these courses and things for other coaches, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so interesting. So, you know, like you always talk about our interest-based brain, which in the group program, I always thought you were saying interspace brain. I know. Um, which, <laughs> um, I like better actually, but um, when you talk about that interest-based brain, I have a fresh interest all the time. And I get to learn these things, most of which I'll never use, but yours, I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. <laughs> yeah, it was very cool. Oh, that's so cool. I'm glad to know that. Cause I, you know, it's funny. My podcast editor has said that to me too, cause we've been working together now for over a year. And she's like, I feel like I just got a year's worth of free coaching <laughs> from editing your podcast. Yeah. Well, when I took your group program and we had a one-on-one -on -one as well, I got so much out of that short time with you. One of the things that I was thinking about as I was, you know, sort of organizing my thoughts before this podcast is I, I realized later, I was like, wait, Katie taught me that one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> it is that these symptoms and these things are information. 
when something happens, this is information and I can learn from it and I can sort of file it away under these other pieces of information. And it's not a judgment type situation. Something happens and it's not like before my diagnosis, it was everyone else can do this. Why can't you do this? And all this like pile on of negative self-talk and all this stuff about being more like, more like a scientist, I think is how you described it of like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what's going on there. And of course, I'm not perfect. Like it sounds right now, like I've like moved past negative self-talk. I haven't, shocker. Um, But I've gotten more skilled as time goes on with little tidbits like that. Like this is just information. And what will I do with that information? And sometimes the answer is nothing. Right? Yeah, I know. I had a client the other day who was like, I'm never going to get to that place, right? I feel like, you know, she... And I was like, well, yeah, of course you are. But you really just have to like, let's, you know, focus on what that first step is. And I think that first step is is often to just sort of how can I remove myself from that emotional reaction, even if it's just having the emotional reaction first, letting it happen and then saying, oh, look at that. You just had that emotional reaction you tend to have. Right. Like even at some point being able to kind of pivot a little bit out of out of, yeah, all of that self-blame and all of that negative emotional energy that we carry with us. Anyone who's like on the fence about working with Katie, 100% do it. Like it's one sentence I'm carrying with me every day, right? Like imagine that times however many sentences that you get to have together. It's, it was huge. And something I've been working on more recently, including that, you know, you're talking about the emotional reaction of it. Getting to change my language around emotions has also been super helpful. So like even before, you know, something like this where I was like, I'm anxious, I've been changing that to and of course, anxious and excited are the same emotion, right? Like they're the exact same thing um, physiologically. So instead of saying I'm anxious or I'm excited, saying like I'm feeling anxious and then like the further step is I'm having anxious feelings because then it's not I'm anxious. It's like three steps removed. Like there are some feelings happening and that's back to the this is information. Oh, this is interesting. I'm having anxious feelings. What's that about? Like, oh, I think I'm just excited. (laughs) So and I like speaking of like judgments and things like that, I think I've told you about my fake cooking show with my best friend where we live together. She also has ADHD and it was a shit show and it was amazing and it was all of that stuff. We both learned so much. And so we started this fake cooking show called Cooking with ADHD. And um <laughs> it's <laughs> and a lot of people have been like, you should turn it into a real I cooking know, show. right? Immediately I'm like, side hustle. <laughs> we have no interest in that. It would take away how fun it is. So what happens is when we make a kitchen error that is related to our ADHD, and it always is. Um, I've heard you talk about recipes in a very similar way to how I see them, but like just like calling each other now that we don't live together. Like on today's episode of cooking with ADHD, I screwed up microwave rice. There are three things you need to do. Put in the microwave, open the bag. Actually, that's it. There's two things. And um, I guess start the microwave, which is something I sometimes forget to do as well. But like didn't open the bag. It exploded everywhere. It's literally microwave rice. And like before I would have been like before my diagnosis, I would have been calling myself all kinds of stupid and that kind of thing. But instead, I was like, oh, this is really funny. And I sent a picture to like three or four different people and informed them about the latest episode of cooking with ADHD. And I think it's hilarious. Like the rice was still cooked, you know, (laughs) like it was everywhere, but it was still cooked. (laughs) 
I know that's funny. I had a similar instance the other day with the microwave where I put, uh, I was microwaving butter. I just wanted to soften butter. I only think in like 15 and 30 minute increments. I don't know if you're like that as well. Like I cannot, everything has to be on the quarter hour or the half hour or everything has to take 15 minutes. (laughs) Anyway, I was microwaving softening butter and I put it in for three minutes instead of 30 seconds um, and walked away from it. And it obviously exploded and it exploded. Well, I mean, it just like bubble it, it, you know, three minutes for, for just butter, like a little pad of butter. It just like bubbled over and like went all over the microwave and it got the microwave all. But I think in my head, I was thinking of microwave popcorn tie. I don't know what I was thinking, but yes, I do it all the time. Uh, Getting back to what I wanted to say, uh, which was one of the things I love about the group coaching experience, too, is the validation that we provide each other with these hilarious little weird random stories, right? Which is just like, I feel like I love bringing together six women who are all like, okay, I have ADHD. How am I going to fix myself? And then I get, I'm like, okay, now we have all this time where we can talk to each other and realize you don't really need to be fixed. Uh, this is, <laughs> I feel like it's like, you need to be cultivated. And <laughs> um, but I feel like that is such a wonderful thing to sit back and watch everybody just like relax a little bit, right? Like just feel lighter from being around each other. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, I'm in a lot of like neurodivergent social media groups, but there was something very special about setting aside time to be with other women who have ADHD live on zoom or whatever. I think it was zoom. Yeah. Um, and just, even if you didn't have topics to talk about, which you did, um, I got so much out of just being able to unmask. You'd see people fidgeting. You'd see people literally moving around with their computer, going to another room. It was so cool that nobody felt weird about that stuff and just getting to be or just like let loose, let our hair down. Um, and it was amazing all the similarities we had even down to career paths for some of us I don't know if that's typical of all your groups but ours was like wait you're a teacher too like just like everybody or you're in the arts too a nonprofit. like we all had such similar stories and I was even in three different countries that that was the case or maybe four um and I also one of the main things I got out of it is that I'm sort of further along on this journey than I realized that I have more useful things to contribute because I expected to be sort of contributed to. I was showing up, I was going to participate, but um, I really got, I mean, I remember one time I was saying something about, oh yeah. And then I checked my, you know, like my daily list of how I do things and blah, blah, blah. And I did the whole thing. And you were like, wait, hold on, go back to your list, share with us like what kind of list that you have and what kind of tool you're talking about. And it's just a thing that I made, right? It's just like a, how I, how it works for me right now. And I didn't realize that these, you know, these little workarounds and things like that would be helpful for other people. And I felt really flattered that they were useful for other people. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point too. I feel like we get as much out of helping each other too, as we get by, you know, wanting to look for the next cool tip or trick that's gonna gonna help us figure out how to feel less chaotic. Um, so speaking of tools, like, 
with your software work? I mean, what do you, what do you even call yourself? Do you, you're a, a software developer? Nah, I mean, you're a, what are you? Software consultant. I think consultant, a wizard. Yeah. Wizard. <laughs> yeah. We have a staff and. <laughs> what do you find has been helping you with ADHD in terms of your workflow? I love software in general and, and all of that stuff. I know there are a lot of people who do like fully automated homes where you can tell Alexa, you're going to go do a laundry and things like that. I haven't set that kind of stuff up personally, but I do use AI quite a bit. So there is a set of tools called Goblin Tools, and that is made, um, it, it runs on OpenAI, I think. And it has all these different tabs and things that it will do for you. It's got a magic to-do list, which will break down anything you're trying to get done into mini to-do lists of like, here are the steps of how to get from A to B to C. And you can set your level of neurospicy. So like, how detailed does this thing need to get is the number of chili peppers that you <laughs> select for your neurospicy level. Um, it's got a formalizer where it'll turn your thoughts or your kind of brain dump into like a classy paragraph or a less formal or whatever. Like it'll change the, that kind of thing. The one that I use the most is called the judge. And it's the little subtext of that is, am I misreading the tone of this? And when someone writes something and you stick it in there, it'll tell you what's the tone. Because there was a client recently who just was like not responding and not paying her bill also. And I was like, okay. I'm ready to say something. And I wrote something and it was like, this is coming across as frustrated and aggressive. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but I, it's funny because I subconsciously knew exactly which words to remove. I knew, I knew, but I didn't know, no. <laughs> so <laughs> I removed those words, ran it again. And it says it's coming across as like professional and like mildly frustrated. Cause I was like, that's okay. It's okay for me to be mildly frustrated and communicate that because I am. But it really helped me take those three steps from, listen, you send me the money, you know, versus it's not a shakedown, right? It's a request. So um, there's that. There's also the estimator. And the the subtext of that one is just tell me how long this is probably going to take. And that is huge because like, I don't know. I just don't know. So that one's good for time blindness. Compiler, it'll take your brain dump, turn it into a list of tasks and I think you're going to love this one, Katie, the chef. You put in whatever random ingredients you have. You can put down serving sizes. You can put, I'm allergic to this. You can say, I don't do dairy. And the chef will give you some options on how to cook it. So it's like, yeah, it's outrageously cool. And I use it almost every day. Um, and I also use ChatGPT quite a bit. I know um, you do as well. And so I use it for even little things like writing my bio. I've written my bio for so many different things. And like, I want it to be slightly different each time. And starting with a blank page is tough, but starting with something that's already written and saying, oh no, this part's not right. And rewriting that part. Um, or, you know, you have it write your bio and you're like, make it a little less formal, make it a little more formal, make it shorter. That's what I typically tell it. Make it shorter, make it shorter, make it shorter, uh, make it one sentence long, you know, all of that stuff. It's so useful to have something like that in your toolbox. And I know there are a lot of problems with AI as well, especially on the, the visual image side and the video side. As a former exhibiting artist myself, like I, I see all of the bad sides too, but this piece of it 
for those of us who have these neurodivergent brains, it's like we we are in such a a golden age of this stuff coming to be and the wild wild west at the same time. So right. Hey friend, if there's one thing I've learned about ADHD over the last few years is that we can thrive with the right combination of accountability, planning, coaching, and peer support. Knowing all this, I set out to create the ultimate all-in-one coaching and accountability community for adults with ADHD or learning disabilities. I knew I couldn't do it alone, so I joined forces with one of my favorite ADHD coaches, Alex Gilbert of Capable Consulting, and together we launched the ADHD Lounge. The lounge was created as a safe place for neurodivergent adults away from other social media, where we offer live group calls, co-working and body doubling every weekday for accountability, focus, and skill development. We have weekly and monthly goal planning sessions to keep yourself on track. We also have one-on-one office hours with myself and Alex, and of course, friendship and lots of peer support. We have three different membership levels to meet you where you're at. So if you're looking for an affordable way to stay connected, productive, and accountable, while also having regular access to ADHD coaching and expertise, then make sure to come join me in the ADHDlounge.com. Again, that's the ADHDlounge.com. And as a listener of the Women in ADHD podcast, you can get 30% off your first month with the code PODCAST30. So head to the ADHDlounge.com and use the code PODCAST30 to get 30% off your first month. During the early days of my diagnosis, as I was deep into hyper-focus ADHD research mode, I kept searching for some kind of all-in-one, everything you ever needed to know about ADHD and women handbook that I could reference and keep at my fingertips, but I never really found anything that suited me. That's why I've taken everything I've learned about ADHD in women and adults who are socialized as girls, and I've gathered it into a concise, easy-to-access, self-guided, and self-paced course so you can feel like you've got everything you need at your fingertips. It's called, Hey, It's ADHD, and it has everything you need to start loving your brain and living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. I built this course to be helpful wherever you are on your ADHD journey. I am so excited to finally be able to offer this course, and I truly hope this will help you develop a deeper understanding of your ADHD brain and how to embrace it as you build yourself a toolkit for your own life. So head over to womenandadhd.com and click on the Hey, It's ADHD course tab for more information and to get started. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling that, especially going back to school now, because I'm seeing how much I'm relying on ChatGPT. Just one of the things I really rely on it is like, do I understand this assignment right? So I'm not necessarily looking for ChatGPT to write my answer. I'm just looking to see what an answer would look like, because oftentimes I feel like I I think I understand what's being asked of me. And then I answer the question incorrectly. This happens to me on tests all the time. It doesn't matter how many times I reread the question. It's like, I just don't get what the question was. And so oftentimes when I get an assignment, I'll put it into ChatGPT to just be like, what would the answer be generated so that I can say, oh, okay, that's what's want needed of me, right? And, and so it's so helpful. But at the same time, I'm also like, I want to be a good person and a good student and not feel like I'm cheating all the time. And uh, really trying to like figure out how is it going to help me in a way that it feels ethical. So you're putting the question in and asking for that question to be answered. And then you take that and you say, oh, this is the type of thing that, that my professor is looking for. And then you do your own. Is that kind of what you're doing? Yeah, exactly. Right. Where I'm like, I'm going to write my own answer, but I just want to like double check that I'm understanding the question because I feel like that happens to me a lot. 
Uh, I love the idea of the the goblin tools tone. Um, I had that happen to me the other day where I'm like, because, you know, we joke about like how with, neuro, you know, with ADHD, I'm like, I write an email and I need to get the important stuff out of me first. So usually it's like bark, 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 bark. It's all negative. You know, this is this is all the edits I have. I had this all the time when I was an editor for freelance writers. I would like go to all the things that were wrong first, and then I would have to like get all of that out of me. And then I'd have to go back and be like, okay. Now I have to go to the beginning of the email and be nice (laughs) and be like, what would a nice human write right now? And I'd have to be like, oh, it was really well done. And I liked this part of this. You know, and this, we always joke about like going through communication and are there too many exclamation marks? Do I sound crazy? Are there not enough? But I really like I have I like the idea of that, like that you called out that impulsive nature to be a little snarky. Cause like I had that the other day where somebody I was communicating with somebody, I had already sent them a link and then they wrote me back and was like, can you send me that link? And so I could have just been like, sure, here it is. But I had to be like, sure, here it is again. <laughs> right. Just that little bit where I'm like, I'm still pleasant. Cause I have an exclamation mark, but I'm letting us both know that we are, I already sent it right. Like I couldn't not, throw that in there. Right. Like I was like, I just needed that tiniest little jab. And, and so I'm like, you just need somebody, some accountability of an AI to be like, you don't need that. <laughs> Take it out. <laughs> what was their reaction? I don't know. They haven't, re- they haven't replied to me. They probably never will because <laughs> they were like, damn, she's snarky. Um, but you know, you find your people. Right. Um, so, but like, is this an app? It comes in apps and it's also a web, it's a web-based app. So you can download it on the Android store and the Apple store. And it is also a free website. So you cut and paste copy like you do with ChatGPT and it gives you its response. Yeah, exactly. It's got basically a text box. And for those of us who are not typey type people, you can do the voice thing. The big type box where you put your stuff, you can click the little microphone and do it that way. Just talk into it and say whatever it is. Here's all the stuff I have in my fridge. Yeah. You know, like (laughs) you can talk to it. So I can ramble on my car ride home and it can turn it into some sort of cohesive blog post in theory. In theory. (laughs) You're like, I don't know. Let's check it out. That's awesome. I know it's, it is, it is, you're right. It totally feels like the wild west, but I'm going to have to check that out. I'll put a, a link to it. I'm sure everybody who's listening has already heard about Goblin Tools. So I, I know we've talked about it. I, I've heard people talking about it in the community and I'm always like, yeah, that's the list of things I need to check out, uh, which is so long. <laughs> cool. So now what are some of the things that you love about your ADHD, either at work or, or just in life? You know, it's interesting. My therapist just had me do a list of things I love about myself and a second list of things I I wish I could change or that I'd like to change. And I noticed so many things were on both sides of that list. And so many of those things were ADHD related. So um, all of these have the caveat of like, I love them, but also they come with some less desirable traits. So things like our creativity and our ability to connect deeply with everyone. You know, that's one of those ones that I, I'm i so curious about everyone and I want to know their story. But also, even when I'm not feeling curious, people will come and tell me their story. And I sometimes just want to be alone or just want to be doing whatever I'm doing. Like, 
And if I don't drop what I'm doing, it's rude because they're telling me like some deep traumatic thing from childhood that I didn't ask for. And like there's there's holding that space and holding that that treasured thing um, that they've never told anybody else. And they're a random person on the street and like that kind of thing. It's it's amazing. And it comes with this negative piece. (sighs) I also do like the impulsive nature. I have done so many cool things in my lifetime. And people are like, how many lives are we talking about here? Like you've done this and this and this and this, you know, like I think, you know, I missed part of our group thing because I was doing the Super Bowl field team for the halftime show. It just like things like that. And, you know, like I didn't have to do that. And I've traveled a ton and I've just done crazy things. Um, but I've also done crazy things. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you're saying, I can't believe I'm alive. Um, it's like, you know, if you would have told 15 year old Morgan that I'd even make it to 38. Like it was, it would have been shocking for me. I never imagined this, but those are some of my favorites. And um, yeah, just like our, our playful exploratory nature is, is one of my favorites. I feel like that's one of my favorite parts about talking with you too, is just, I feel like you're up for anything, right? Like, and and I feel like that's one of the things I love about conversations with this podcast too, which is like, we can, you know, just randomly talk about so many different things and be like, have like a real thoughtful, interesting approach. You know, uh, I was talking to somebody recently where I was like, you know, somebody's not your person when you're complaining about, I don't know, something, uh, my neck hurts. And they're like, oh, it'll be, it'll be okay. Right. I'm like, that's the worst answer anybody could give me. Like what I want is somebody to be like, huh, fascinating. Tell me more about that. Let's look that up together. Right. Like immediately become curious about what it is that you've presented to them. Right. And I think that there's just that wonderful yeah, that openness, right? That openness for knowledge and a curiosity about life, where I think, um, I think it's one of my favorite traits of myself and just so many people I know who with ADHD, which is like, huh, interesting, let's talk about that. Like, you know, I'm always game for whatever we're going to talk about. Uh, But you were when you were talking about the favorite things that are I love and things I don't love being the same thing. Have you ever seen that share meme? There's like an interview with share from decades ago where it was the, I think it was Barbara Walters asking her like, what's your favorite part of yourself? And she said, my brain. And then she, what's your least favorite part of yourself? She's like my brain. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. That's super clever though. Is she in our, in our camps? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah. Uh, I think anyone who talks about their brain in third person, like it's this petulant roommate of theirs that <laughs> that can't be trusted, I think is pretty much neurodivergent. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So now, uh, okay, so let me ask you, if you could rename ADHD to something else, would you have another name for it? I've thought about this one a lot and um, you have so many good answers in like 150 or something episodes or whatever that you're at at this point. And honestly, Katie, I don't give a flying fuck what it's called. I don't. The fact that it has a name is fine, that it's a thing. What I would rather do, you know, in this hypothetical situation where all this money would be spent rebranding it and, you know, putting it in the DSM six or seven or whatever I would rather have all that time and money and energy spent on figuring out other subtypes because I don't think that's complete. I think there's a lot missing there. Um, you know, my subtype, whatever, is 
combination, no, combined, com- combinations of my skin, combined is my ADHD. What, and that just means like, it's kind of a catch-all. It's just like, you don't exactly fit either of these other things, but there are a lot of people who have combined subtype who are very, very different in, in what they deal with versus what I deal with and, and, you know, what works for them and what doesn't work for them. And of course, everybody's unique, but I think there are more subtypes and I would really like to see those defined further. And I'm sure people are working on that, but that's where I would spend that energy is naming and and defining that stuff. Sorry, I'm not answering your actual question. (laughs) No, it's kind of cool. I like it because it is true. And I feel like that's one of those questions I have asked endlessly over the past few years now with this podcast of just like, wait a minute, what are we even talking about? Like, I find that ADHD is very different for whoever you're talking to, right? In terms of like, some people talk about it like it is the brain. And that is like my ADHD brain. And this is how I think. And that's ADHD. But I also think that a lot of the time, especially clinicians, don't think about it in terms of what your brain is like. They think of it most of mostly about existing behaviors, right? And and so I feel like that's very different. There's there's who your what your brain thinks and who you are genetically speaking versus how, how you got to be the way you are in terms of your behaviors. And so I'm like, are those both ADHD? Are they not? Is this separate? And that's where I feel like the question of like neurodivergent brains and the spectrum, right? Is it such a huge question for me too, which is like, wait a minute, are we actually talking about autism now? I don't know. Like, and going back and forth between that and I do like, I feel like I will be endlessly exploring what the hell we're even talking about when we talk about ADHD. (laughs) I think you will. And I think that's why this podcast is continually so interesting is that everyone has a different take on it. And I personally don't care what we're talking about. Like we're, we're talking about, I think I'm a little bit more like how you describe your daughter, like a little more comfortable in the ambiguity of it, of like, I don't, care what I what I care about is like there is a label and it means something in colloquial language I say oh I have ADHD so I need this and people are like ADHD I know what that means and sometimes they're right you know but but ultimately yeah I remember when I first got diagnosed I was so happy and I was so excited and I was telling people and I remember I told a co-worker and she was like oh but we still like you don't worry and I was like wait what like that's not I'm I'm not unhappy. I'm not like I I wasn't diagnosed with cancer. I was diagnosed with ADHD. Like and I'm very happy about it. And a lot of my friends, Katie, were like, "Wait, you didn't know?" And like, <laughs> <laughs> and like they were shocked I didn't know. That's like, "Oh, that's a little telling, isn't it?" <laughs> um, but like but like when you say I have ADHD, that means something in the world. And if we change the name of it, you know, even going from when it changed from ADD to ADHD, I for a long time thought those were different things. And it took me a while to realize like, oh, no, this is just the the newfangled name. Right. Like and we can change it again. I don't care. Like as long as like out there, it means something that people get about me and how best to interact with me and how I can explain like, hey, the way you just told me that it didn't land over here. Could you tell me it like this? And they're like, oh, sure. You know, like nobody's ever an asshole about that, you know, and like being able to ask for that kind of stuff, um, not like, like not using it as an excuse, but as a, an explanation of like, Hey, I need things. I need this, you know, and, and this is why people are like, okay, great. Um, and so, yeah, I just don't care what it's called. Just as long as people get 
that there's something about my brain that's maybe a little different than theirs and the way that I process information that's a little different. And, you know, yeah, we can call it whatever we want. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, and I think oftentimes it gives us permission to ask for things in the first place, whereas in before a diet and why it was so transformative for so many of us, which is before a diagnosis, it was like, this isn't working for me. I don't really know why it's working for everybody else. So I'm going to keep at it as opposed to now where it's like, you don't have to say I have ADHD, so I need you to repeat things or, you know, it's, it's mostly just an explanation for yourself where you'd be like, oh, I've given myself now permission to ask for something different because I realize it's not some fundamental flaw in who I am, that there is a, there is a difference here. And that it's like, just that alone, I think has been so helpful for many of us. It's like, we don't have to always walk in the room and say like, hi, I'm Katie. I have ADHD, but it has allowed me to say, hi, I'm Katie. And I'm going to need you to like repeat yourself, or I'm going to need you to write that down, you know, and, and not feel like there's, I'm, you know, uh, that I need to figure it out on my own. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really important. What you just said of not saying like, oh, I have a disability. So you need to treat me differently, please. But instead saying like, and it's, it it does come across in this very casual way of like, listen, I'm going to, just so you know, I'm going to remember everything about your life that you're telling me for the next five minutes, but I don't remember your name. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, and it's funny. And you can just be like, the way I process information is like this, or, um, Hey, for whatever reason, that particular noise drives me up the wall. Is there a chance that blah, 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 people are like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no problem. Um, most of the time, right? And so not having to say, this is why, but knowing in your in your own mind, this is why, and and making those requests. And I don't know, Katie, if this is something that's just happening as I age, but I'm getting less and less apologetic of saying, oh, I'm so sorry, I need this from you, or I'm so sorry, I didn't quite get that. But just like, tell me that again, you know, (laughs) like, like, and, and, of course, being like, friendly and kind about it, but no longer apologizing for not getting it in the way that their brain works, or, or whatever. Mm hmm. I know. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, that's another one where I kind of sometimes in an email, I have to get it out of my system and apologize in the email just to like, get it out. And then I'll go back and be like, how can I reword this in a way where I'm not apologizing for something I don't need to apologize for, but (laughs) I still have to like, get it out. Yeah, that's a big one. I, I talk to my daughter about that all the time, because she feels like she feels like apologies have sort of taken on a new meaning with Gen Z, where it's like, it's almost just like, a hello and a salutation is an apology. And I'm like, that's kind of fucked up. But you know, she doesn't look at it. You know, I'm always like, don't apologize for for just existing, right. And she's like, that's she feels like apologies have taken on a new meaning. And I was like, that's really interesting etymology, etymological discussion, I think about how we view apology, right? How we view just that, like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, but it's not really meant. There's no sense of like, low self worth in that it's just kind of how people show up in the world. And I'm like, I don't know, that feels awful. <laughs> Language has power, though. Yeah. Like what I was talking about with changing my I'm anxious to I'm having anxious feelings, it matters. And coming in with I'm sorry, for who I am, or what I, or like, I'm sorry, in general, it makes a difference. But hold on, 
didn't you also grow up in Canada? Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is why I think I have to just get it out because I am absolutely the person who you will bump into me in a crowded airport and I will apologize for being in your way. And that is 100% a Canadian trait for sure. Uh, <laughs> I was just at the airport and told 100% did that. I apologize, but just be like somebody... I think somebody rolled over my foot with their suitcase and I apologized. And I was like, wait a minute. No, that's you're allowed to stand where you are. And then me, I would fly into an instant uncontrollable rage. (laughs) (laughs) And when I say uncontrollable, back to like language having power, it's not uncontrollable. It's outsized for the moment. I like that. Right. And, and I think that was another thing that I feel like we've talked about a lot, which is like what that word, that question that we always would come back to, which is like, what is wrong with me? This doesn't feel appropriate to the situation (laughs) and not seeing all the signs that led up to that. And, and, and now it feels like I can't. Right. And, and it's, you slow down a little bit more and you can be like, Oh, okay. Now I see that there was, it was loud and the TV was on and I haven't eaten in six hours and all those things that kind of lead up to this. Oh my God. Why am I, why am I yelling at everybody? (sighs) All right. So now how can people find you and work with you and, and get more of you? Cause you're so wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So my website is accountablehero.com and I do have several different ways to work with me on there. So feel free to go through that. And I think one of the maybe juiciest ones for for the women in ADHD folks might be the course building thing I have going on. So there is a group component where folks can meet and go through what they're building. And I am going to shoot off a discount for your listeners, including myself, because um, I've I've listened to so many of your episodes. But um, yeah, so it's called Build That Course, and it is basically if you've had this kind of cool idea that you've been thinking about and you want to do it yourself, you don't want me to do it for you, which is of course an option. You really want to do it yourself. That is the the program, and we've got a, a biweekly every two weeks biweekly meeting where you can show up and and show off what you're working on and ask questions and things like that. Uh, well, I highly recommend it. I, I'm so grateful to you for being able to kind of take all of that information I dumped on you and put it into a wonderful course that I'm very proud of. So yeah, well, thank you, Morgan. I love any opportunity I can have to chit chit chat with you. But I did. I don't feel like I had heard a lot of that stuff regarding your diagnosis. So I appreciate that. And the TMS stuff. Holy crap. That's so interesting. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was super excited to share that. And and every time I hear your commercial for your course, I feel like this sense of pride <laughs> bubbling up. I'm like, I helped with that. That's, <laughs> I, that's part of what I did. So um, yeah, thank you so much for having me, Katie. Aww. There you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. If you'd like to find out more about me and my coaching programs, head over to womenandadhd.com. If you're a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD and you'd like to apply to be a guest on this podcast, visit womenandadhd.com slash podcast guest, and you can find that link in the episode show notes. Also, you know we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. Please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much and I totally get it, please just take a few seconds right now to give me a five-star rating. 
or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may be struggling and they don't even know why. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered she's not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD. And she's now on the path to understanding her neurodivergent mind and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then. Okay, before we get started with today's episode, have you heard the awesome news? Llama Life now has an iOS app so you can take it with you wherever you go. I have been using Llama Life consistently on my computer for a year now. A year! That's unprecedented. That's like a lifetime in ADHD terms. And now with the new iOS app, I'm able to seamlessly transition between my computer and my iPhone so that my favorite little productivity coach is with me whenever I need it. So what is so special about Llama Life? Well, for starters, it's not a fancy new calendar or planner or complicated productivity management system. It's a time-boxing, single-tasking program that easily integrates with your already existing organizational systems. If you're like me and you struggle with time blindness, or maintaining focus throughout your day, then this is the app for you. I love Llama Life because it's simple, effective, and beautifully designed. And dare I say, it makes even the most mundane chore more fun and colorful. If you want to check out the iOS app for yourself, head to the App Store for a free trial and start enjoying that Llama Life for yourself.